0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of the Mauritanian.
1: If you stray outside the designated areas, you will be removed from the island.
2: It's recommended you wear a hijab when visiting your client. We've had incidents of inmates spitting at female lawyers.
1: You want to represent the head recruiter
3: for 9-11. Mohamedou Slahi, the Mauritanian, held in Guantanamo. He recruited the guys who flew your friend's plane into the South Tower. He put those men on my husband's plane? I'm going to make him pay.
2: In the event the detainee lunges for you, push back away from the table. We'll get in there as quick as we can.
1: I'm Nancy Hollander. This is my associate. We wish to represent you.
3: We are seeking the death penalty. But if we miss something, this guy goes home. Let's get to it.
1: Call this bumper. Speak to my mother.
3: Tell her, I don't know, something
1: nice. The US government is holding upwards of 700 prisoners Quintamo. Since when did we start locking people up without a trial in this country? That's a lot of case files. The prosecution won't show us the evidence they have against you. It's all redacted.
3: You got a problem? Take it up with the government.
1: All my time here, I've been told you are guilty not for something that I have done, but because of suspicions and associations. I am innocent. He has been interrogated, he has been held against his will for six years without a single charge being laid against him.
3: Doesn't it bother you at all, working for someone like this?
1: I'm not just defending him, I'm defending the rule of law.
3: You haven't seen what I've seen.
1: Where I'm from, in Mauritania, we know not to trust the police. But never did I believe that
3: the United States of America would use fear and terror to control me. A couple of sleepless nights, that's all. I've never been part of a conspiracy, but I'm starting to think this is what it must feel like to be on the outside of me. You're ever thinking this, either wear the jersey or get off the field.
1: You need to tell me what happened to you. I can't defend you, do you understand that? You asked me to set fire to this place, but I'm still standing. Maybe he's guilty. Maybe he is. we're doing our job. I'm not welcome home. That's not a part of my job.
3: If I'm wrong, when it comes to my reckoning, I'm the one that'll have to answer for it. What makes you think you're any better than the rest of us? I don't think I'm better than anybody else. That is the point. For eight years, I have been dreaming of being in a courtroom. Now that I'm here, I'm scared to death.
1: You know, I think i figured out why they built Guantanamo down there. My client, he's not a suspect. He's a witness.
3: Mr. Slahi, would you please raise your right hand and repeat after me?
0: The Mauritanian. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Mauritanian, and the story is as follows. A defense attorney, her associate, and a military prosecutor uncover a far-reaching conspiracy while investigating the case of a suspected 9-11 terrorist imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay for six years. The film is starring Jodie Foster, Tahar Rahim, Shailene Woodley, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Zachary Levi. It is directed by Kevin McDonald. And it is written by M.B. Traven, Rory Haynes, and Saurabh Nashervani. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Dan Bayer.
3: Hello, everybody.
0: Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Danilo Castro. Hey, guys. Okay, so The Mauritanian, nominated for two Golden Globe Awards for Best Actor for Tahar Rahim, Best Supporting Actress Jodie Foster, coming out late. In this year's award season from STX. And it is a movie that I know for many of us was really not on our radar. And then we saw the first trailer, and the first thought I know a lot of us had was are they releasing this in time for consideration or is it going to be a spring release? Well, here we are. It's uh, BAFTA longlisted, and we are talking about it uh, this week here on the show. Kevin McDonald, also uh, attached as director for this film has had uh, quite an interesting career, to say the least. He most recently was involved, actually, in the 2020 version of Life in a Day, uh, the YouTube-submitted series, uh, which is pretty unique and really, really interesting if you guys ever get a chance to uh, take a look at that. Uh, But he's done, you know, taught political thrillers uh, before, the Mauritanian uh, shining a light on a subject that has not been talked about that much in cinema, but there are movies that are starting to pop up again, you know, now now every so often about Guantanamo Bay. Most recently, uh, The Report starring Adam, uh, starring Adam Driver. So, there's a lot of stuff that's starting to, you know, come out in regards to what happened down there, and more stories are finally starting to get told as information is declassified. This is based on a true story. Let's talk about it. Danilo, what did you think of The Mauritanian?
4: So, mcdonald is a director that i admire i like uh the topics he explores i think his documentaries are good um and i do like the last king of scotland but i do think sometimes directionally he can sometimes come off a little sterile and so going into that this movie i was thinking you know all the pieces are in place it's a good cast it's an interesting topic Something I'm sure, you know, he he knows in inside and out. And so it was going to come down to the execution for me. And now that I've seen it, i I think he mostly executed. I think the performances are really good. I do think, though, that there are some things lacking that could have helped sort of push this one further over the edge, especially given the 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 material, there's a timelessness here. there's a relevance here. um. And I don't feel like I came away with the movie feeling that relevance and that urgence. So I like the movie okay. I, I do think there are some sort of notable issues that I'm sure we'll get into. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, let's hear next from Dan Baer.
3: It gets the job done. Uh, this is a movie that is very much about, you know, something – really horrible that happened to one man in the name of uh, some would call it justice others would call it a misplaced sense of revenge uh, and it is I think directed and acted for a maximum effect to really make you feel all the horrible things that were done to this man that he did not deserve, and I think that is where the movie is at its best. I think the rest of it is okay. Uh, I will not remember the rest of it <laughs> in you know another twenty four hours after I've seen it, okay, but Sa yeah, Saharahim,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you didn't
3: already know,
0: I mean, it's been a little while since 2009.
3: It has been.
0: Yeah. I'm, of course, alluding to his acclaimed performance in A Prophet, uh, which I think was the last time that Tahar Rahim was on anybody's radar because he's I mean, it's not like he's been, you know, off on the sidelines since then, necessarily. He's been working, but He hasn't really had a showcase role like this since then, in my opinion.
3: No, he hasn't. Or at least he hasn't had anything major to showcase his talents. And this is a quite the showcase for what he can do. Yeah.
0: Josh, what about you? What did you think of the Mauritanian?
2: So going into this movie, I also kind of went in with the knowledge that Kevin McDonald is, as has been already stated, a filmmaker that is a little inconsistent at times. But when he does a good job, I find myself really invested in it. And I have been a fan of Tahar Rahim since A Prophet. So that got me very excited that there was a showcase role for him um, that was going to get some attention. And, you know, I'll be honest, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I do find myself kind of being invested in procedurals when they're done particularly well. And I think that you have that those sections of the movie which are mostly focused with Jodie Foster's character. And I think the writing in that section is a little iffy at times, but I am pulled through basically through her performance because I think she is also pretty excellent in this film. And then on the other hand, you've got this very intense... Um, exploration of this torture that's happening with Tahar Rahim's character and I think with that performance at the center of it that uh, that is to me what is so engaging about those sections and even though I can point to certain moments in the film that I think are kind of clunky in their execution and I think that is particularly centered on one character which we will I'm sure talk about in terms of him not giving a great performance yeah I still found myself pretty invested throughout most of this story, and yeah, it, I do admit that it's probably a very like straightforward type of a movie. But I also think that it's very effective in doing so. So I walked away really liking this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is very interesting because you know a lot of people may not realize this, but Tahar Rahim has actually worked with Kevin McDonald before on The Eagle, which came out shortly after A Prophet so this isn't actually the first time that the two of them have collaborated together, and you can really get a sense that there is a lot of trust uh, between Tahar Rahim and Kevin McDonald, um between director and actor in this, because, as I mentioned before, I, I really think that Tahar Rahim gets a lot of range uh, to do so much with this role. He's so charismatic, and you can't really take your eyes off him in every single scene that he's in. He's uh, truly empathetic you really really get a sense of his frustration his confusion his anger but also his resilience as well and i think he is um the movie's best asset overall uh I I have to also admit, though, that I found there to be a lot of issues with this story. I mean, number one, it, it is very conventionally told. Uh, the information itself is interesting because, like I said before, there haven't been that many movies made about Guantanamo Bay. And there are still a lot of stories that are coming out, a lot of movies that are revealing more information as to what went on over there and what is still going on over there. Uh, but specifically during this era... And it's got such an all star cast that it kind of sucks that (laughs) that, you know, they're not all properly utilized, in my opinion. So while I think that Tahar Rahim elevates this movie to being just watchable, to being actually pretty good at times, coupled along with um, this really empathetic story of this guy who was wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his life And, you know, it gives us kind of like an inside look at the atrocities and horrors that are being committed over at Guantanamo Bay. (sighs) For all the good that that does, this movie is just undone at times by, I think, like Kevin McDonald's very uneven direction. And also, as we just mentioned, some of the performances in this, I mean, I'm glad you like Jodie Foster in this, Josh. I don't think she's bad, but I don't think she's at, like, Tahar Rahim's level, and I actively think that Shailene Woodley and Benedict Cumberbatch are bad in this.
2: Well, I think for Jodie Foster, like, is she giving a performance that is at the level of intensity of Tahar Rahim? No. I don't think think that she is asked to provide one in the character that she's Mm -hmm. playing. I, I don't think that... I necessarily needed that from her. But what I also just liked from her presence is that every time she was on screen, there was like this confidence that she exuded in that character that I just found so magnetic. And maybe it's just me just loving a confident woman on screen. <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> just a weak spot. I mean, hey, we we love it. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like there
0: are a lot of other actresses that could have also pulled this off. And like I said, I'm not saying she's bad by any means. I just don't think she's as worthy of the level of praise that uh, she's getting in terms of awards and um, also what Rahim is receiving for his work in this. That's that's really all.
3: I get what both of you are saying. I, I don't think that she has much of a part to work with. There really isn't much of a character there, but she does. You know, I think it's a triumph of good casting oh yeah totally i think you you cast jodie foster to play this type of character and you instantly get a character where Mm -hmm. on the page there really isn't one and i really love how she is sort of able to bring shadings to this character that That do sort of fill in who this woman is and how she reacts to things and how she does things.
0: One of my big criticisms of the report uh, was that the characterization was very weak. Uh, we, We got really a sense of who these people were through their work, but we never really got a sense of who they actually were outside of that. And I will agree that, like, especially in scenes where. Um, her scene with Benedict Cumberbatch where they're like sipping beers together <laughs> and they're talking about Guantanamo Bay <laughs> yeah, and such Obey
3: gift shop.
0: Yeah, which, <laughs> like, of course, exactly. Of course, I, I think that I think like scenes like that are very revealing. And she is doing some, you know, quality level work there in regards to fleshing out her character a bit and so on and so forth. I I don't disagree with any of this. I, I guess this is all kind of like a short way for me to say I'm I'm just like indifferent to her when I really shouldn't be because it's Jodie Foster and I kind of have a higher expectation. But like I said, she's not Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie.
3: Well, and the movie is (laughs) not about her either, you know, like she is not the main character and she is not really she's not really a character that we need to know all that much about for the story that the movie is telling.
0: No, she's she's a very definition of a uh, supporting actress in this movie. She's not the lead. I do think, though, that they could have
4: maybe in less and st- uh, with fewer strokes, maybe uh, given Jodie Foster a little bit more to do that was unique, I guess. You know, it does feel like Jodie Foster's sort of bringing a lot to the table and giving her boilerplate boiler Jodie Foster performance, which is good, but it, there could have been done more to spice it up a little bit. I agree with Matt in that regard. Uh, but as I kind of just said, no.
0: Benny the Cumberbatch is doing oh. this Southern accent in this movie, <laughs> and it is a struggle to get through and and line every line? single Why? scene.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, From what I heard, the the real guy does not have a Southern accent. Uh, it's so bizarre is to me. And... Right? Like, it's oh. very strange. <laughs> There are times
4: where the the southern part of the accent drops out. And so it just sounds like he's doing like a Vin Diesel, like just very gravelly,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> it seems very inconsistent on top of not
2: being very good. And the thing is, with Ben and a Cumberbatch, whenever he does his like just normal American accent, I already find that kind of unconvincing, to be honest, like it's yes. a very boring traditional, <laughs> stale American accent that he already usually does. And when mm-hmm. you when you throw on a Southern accent on top of it, it's just like, it is distracting beyond belief. And he is, without a doubt, the worst element of this film. And it's not <laughs> just his performance either, it's his section is also the worst written parts of this movie, too.
3: Yeah. I There was a scene early on when we were cutting from really, like, I was really into... Mohamedou's story and then we sort of I'm getting really into it and then we skip to Benedict Cumberbatch's character and he's at a church talking with people about his wife and kids and I'm just like I this movie is over two hours long why do we have this scene
0: I think they do a really good job in the beginning of setting up uh colonel stewart couch's motivations for yes. why he's prosecuting the case yeah. mm-hmm. and i i agree dan i didn't really need much more than that initial motivation um now if the performance were better then i might have you know be i might be okay with additional scenes yeah. because you know it's a opportunity to see a good performance but when the performance is not this good yeah i'm looking to trim trim some fat at some points for sure and,
3: like, and seriously it doesn't ever really follow up on his reasons for for taking the case like it never makes a full story arc out of it it's just like point a and point b and wrapped up in a very traditional like i want to call it like a few good men type narrative a little bit a little bit but it it doesn't yeah it falls short of that yeah there are so many gaps in that character and story arc that it's not like calling it an arc is very very generous yeah
4: even if the performance (laughs) was better those issues would still sort of be hiccups
3: in the film Yeah, and like I wouldn't have a problem with spending that time if you're really going to go into that character, but then you don't really go into that character very much, and I would – honestly, I was like, you know what? I don't even need to know about the guy who didn't even end up prosecuting the damn case. (laughs) True. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then, you know, we have uh, uh, Doctor Strange squaring off with Shazam in this, and – even that, I'm like, I can't really get excited because Zachary Levi also feels out of place, too. Yes. Yeah.
3: He, you do not look at that guy and think, Army. Is, it was like they wanted Krasinski, but he wasn't available. So they're like, <laughs> oh, similar Do the John Krasinski type. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I like, wonder
4: yeah. how many times <laughs> Zachary Levi has heard that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
0: But seriously, I I agree that the longer that side storyline went on and, you know, by the time that Bender to Cumberbatch starts to grow a bit of a conscience and realizes, like, all the fucked up stuff that's going on and... You know, he's like having this conflict all of a sudden of, you know, do I move forward with this or not based on everything that I know now? It's like I just didn't care anymore uh, because the movie didn't really do a good job of getting me to care about him in the beginning. You know, so I'm definitely not going to care about it by the end. Yeah.
3: I mean, and especially since like we're all sort of waiting for him to come around to that point of view because – I mean, let's be honest, this is one of those sort of preaching to the choir movies. Like, you are not going to go see this movie unless you already believe that this guy is innocent and didn't deserve what he got in Guantanamo. So you're kind of, you know, waiting for him to wake up and do the right thing. And since we already know that's, that's where this story is going at least do something interesting with that
0: but the movie i think does such a good job with uh muhammadu um in the sense that like in the very first scene that we see him in he's showing affection towards his mother and that is automatically gaining sympathy from us as audience members to show that this is actually a good guy you know so like the movie's already like laying this initial like groundwork for us to be on his side and see that he's innocent early on, or it could be considered misdirection. You know, they try to have that one scene later on where are like, he confessed to everything. And look, this is all the stuff that he did. And it's interesting because like when that scene happened, I, I still didn't believe it. I was like, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're not going to all of a sudden get me to do a 180 on this guy and think that he's been like bad the whole time, you know, like.
3: <laughs> and, and I did have a moment in that scene because like I do think that they- shailene woodley is pretty good in in the movie but but no scene when she's like he did it he did everything like how how dare he like i can't work on this i have a family to go home to how am i supposed i'm not allowed home for thanksgiving like Like, uh, you're really like you were giving you were fully ready to believe him and now you're just you're really that gullible like, I'm sorry, that
0: one scene, regardless of any of the other work that Shailene Woodley does in this movie, that one scene like derailed everything for me with her in this.
3: It was poorly written and she just sort of like leaned into it.
0: But but on the flip side, it does give Jodie Foster, I think, her best moment in the movie where she tells her to get out of the room. Uh, yeah. I really like that part. I don't
3: know that I'd say that that's her best moment. But yeah, that's a, that's really a good, good moment.
2: One. I don't know. Josh, what did you think of Shailene Woodley? I think she is just fine in the movie i didn't hate her but i could feel kind of the shackles of the writing with that character and i do admit that while i am a big fan of jodie foster in this movie i can see that those sections are they do kind of get let down by the writing a little bit and i think that jodie foster is is an actor who is able to rise above it and I don't know if Shane Woodley does it all the time in this movie. I think most of mostly she is just okay. I don't actively hate her, but I also don't walk away from this movie feeling like she is doing amazing work either. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although, you know who's
0: doing really amazing work in this? The writer who wrote the line can't tell you any more than that. Whoever wrote that line oh, into the script, bravo God. to you. Because uh. that was a joke that I did not know that I needed. And it is so bad that I kind of loved it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it was a perfect joke for that character.
0: It reminded me of that one moment in The Little Things where uh, that one forensic guy like makes a joke to Rami Malik's character. Uh, yeah, the writing in this movie, I think, is just very spotty at times.
2: Incredibly it- so. It is, but I do think that for me, the parts that it doesn't really work are really just centered around the Cumberbatch character. Like, that's really the only time I was actively not liking it. The rest of the time, I admit that I kind of went with it, and I sort of was on board with this procedural element to the movie that was really knee-deep in this investigation, and I found myself compelled by that. I, I found that that was still very captivating, and... When we are with Mohamedou, I think all of those scenes are obviously kind of where the focus is really intense, and I think that's where we get a lot more care in terms of the writing and the characters. So I do get why you guys have some issues with the the writing to this film, but overall, I'm actually not as big of a – it doesn't really bother me as much as it does
0: you guys. Oh, well, hold on. I haven't even gotten to the four by three aspect ratio and the blurry camera lenses to show us that we're in flashbacks.
2: Well, you know, what? I, um, when yeah. it first happened, I did have a feeling like the thought did come into my mind of like, oh, that's kind of pretentious, isn't it? Like, that's a little full of yourself. <laughs> I did have that thought. But I do think as those sequences do go on it, I think it is useful to help differentiate the different time periods because Especially for Muhammadu, it it can be difficult sometimes. I think to track exactly where he is in terms of those scenes, because obviously to Harward he doesn't look all that different in between the two timelines. So I do think that they eventually serve a purpose. But I will admit, at first I was like, okay, that seems like you're kind of full of yourself, Kevin McDonald. But I I grew to get used to it after a certain point. Yeah, me too.
4: I thought it was a, a, a decently novel way to approach flashbacks. But once again, it's like I think had those other elements been stronger, the writing, just the, the way that the, the way the cutting back and forth goes, I think I would have been a little more on board with it. As it stands, it it, it does sort of feel – I don't know. It just feels like another thing that's not quite where it should be. I just thought it was overdone.
3: Like, well, I didn't feel – What, what do you mean overdone? overdone?
0: What I mean by that is, OK, you want to change the aspect ratio? Fine. Uh, But then he's also going to throw on the blurry lens. He's also going to throw in these uh, fisheye, you know, lenses and these wide angles and like the sporadic editing. And it it just like it was overdone to the point that I was like, okay, I get it already. When also, too, I've seen this technique used in other movies before to convey flashbacks. And I don't know. I kind of just wanted some sort of, you know, ingenuity.
3: (laughs) So I thought that most of those extra, uh, bells and whistles that you were talking about, those were really to, they weren't so much to show we're in a flashback now as they were used, um, very thoughtfully to show, uh, Mohamedou's mental and physical state in whatever scene he was in. Yeah. No, I and get that too. I thought that that was, I, in many ways, the, the, probably the best part of the movie like those scenes everything that happens on guantanamo in when he's being tortured is just like it is so visceral and i mean that is the centerpiece scene of the movie and i don't even want to know how long it went on for it felt like it went on forever and yeah which like it frankly it should feel like it went on forever because it went on for seven freaking years for him and I thought that they did a really good job at portraying what that sort of abuse would feel like and the kind of effect it would have not just on you know him physically but also mentally and it's Combined with Rahim's performance, that was what made the film as powerful as it was.
0: I'm also not saying that we needed this necessarily, but it is very interesting that the guy was held for fourteen years and two months and this movie covers the first seven. Um, I, I, I do like the way that the Smash Cut to Black Gosh. Yeah killed me. Kinda just hits us directly in the gut. It's it's a really, really brilliant uh, edit that I really, really liked. It might be actually be my favorite moment in the entire movie. Um, and when you hear that he was then held for another seven years after he won his court case, I mean, that just hits you so, so hard. But at the same time, there's a part of me that also couldn't help but feel like there was more story to possibly tell there because I can't help but feel like the the guy didn't just sit there for never 7 years and nothing happened I'm sure you know but I guess that's what the book is for cuz they you know plug the book at the end a lot um you know so I guess if you want to hear more you can always check that out
2: well but I I also think that getting that smash cut and then 7 years later it's also kind of the point that they're going after is that after all of this anguish and torture and not knowing where like he was legally and finally you get this great victories or so you think and then you're still there and you I, I think that the movie is making a statement quite pointedly is that even though governments may have changed hands administrations are different they're still his situation is still the same and even though you get this moment of elation it will still hit you like a ton of bricks when you realize that, no, he still had to stay there. So I do understand where you're coming from, Matt, where there probably is more that you could show. But I think also thematically, it works really well that at the end of this process, it still really wasn't over for him.
0: Yeah, no, if it's a story that they want to tell, it works. But does it tell the full story? I don't think so.
3: I mean, of course not. I don't think you can tell the full story. And I don't think that's what it was going film.
0: for. No, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't really, I'm not saying it as a criticism, it's more of an observation. Just the overall structure of this movie is something that I, I don't know. There was a part of me that, from the procedural aspect of it all, I kind of found the whole classified, declassified, do you have clearance for this, this is eradicated. I found like those types of elements in terms of like the journalistic approach to the story to be a little bit more riveting in the report than I did here. And I found, but I found this one on a more human emotional level to be more satisfying.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, because that, I mean, the report is literally about the words, you know, it's about the documents and what's redacted and why and how to get it, you know, out. And this is. You know, I mean, it's right there in their titles. The report is about a report (laughs) and the Mauritanian (laughs) is about the the Mauritanian. Mauritanian. (laughs) It's about a person (laughs) and I I, I kind of agree that like I do, like I think that's my main issue with this movie. Like, and not that it's done badly, but at, at this point we've seen so many of these journalistic dramas and the, the issues that they run into, are so old hat, which like feels really sort of almost Kafka-esque to say, but th- that's where
0: we are. <laughs> I mean, nothing has been able to match up to uh, Zero Dark Dirty yet, in my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's a movie that I felt like had everything. Character, journalistic approach. It was riveting. It had twists and turns. It had action.
4: I mean, like that that movie had it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you compare it to something like this, you you do start to sort of I think this movie in and of itself is like, OK, it's pretty good. But when you compare it to something like Zero Dark Thirty, you start to see like, OK, yeah, we didn't take as maybe as specific an approach or as unique as an approach as we could here.
0: I mean, and even Spotlight, I would argue, is probably like the most humane of the journalist movies that we've seen in recent years, you know, in terms of just having a heart and an emotional core to it all that. It it just feels like the bench uh, the benchmark has been like you know set pretty high yes. and a lot of these movies if you're going to come around especially during award season you know that's that's the level you're expected to compete on now you know absolutely I agree with that so all right final thoughts on the Mauritanian Josh what do you have for me
2: um there's just a couple things that I want to mention uh I did also really like the score to the film I wouldn't say it deserves like know, Oscar recognition or anything but I thought it was a decent score that worked well for the film yeah um I do think that when we get into like the very stylized torture sequences at the end of the movie I'm a little torn because they're very well done but they also do feel that's where I did feel like it was a bit over the top for me and I don't know if I was fully on board I definitely got flashes of like the end of munich (laughs) for instance and it's usually not like where i want to be mentally when i'm watching a movie (laughs) so i was a little torn but i do admit stylistically it still is very very interesting and um the only other thing that i wanted to mention is there is one moment near the end of this film that i found so like this very interesting shorthand because it's when they walk into the courthouse when he's about to deliver his speech in front of um in front of the judge and the camera pans up and you see portraits of Obama and Biden. Oh, and I thought yes. that was, and I thought it was so interesting because it gives you like so much information that you need to know in that moment, which is like how much time has passed and what the culture politically is in that moment. And it's not like they needed to sit people down and say, okay, there's a new administration and they might be looking at this differently. It's like you get one shot and there's a lot of information conveyed. And I really did think that was a very smart thing that the movie did
3: i loved that shot so much
0: yeah no it was really good very very powerful and i thought it also raised a couple of good questions as well especially coupled along with the text at the end exactly very very clear that his case was appealed by the obama administration
4: so yeah yeah very good stuff there danilo what about you uh i just i think i just want to reiterate some of the we talked about tahar rahim but just uh he gave the this. It's the he's the reason to see the movie. Uh, I think you know just to go back to an earlier Kevin mcdonald film, the way sort of Forest Whitaker dominated the Last King of Scotland. I thought, you know, he has less screen time here, but I thought Tahir Rahim really stood out. And I, if if anything, I, I wish he had been more the focus of the narrative than he was. I suppose as sort of a parting, uh, uh sort of comment, but. as a a whole, I think he's the thing I want to leave people with. He's the thing to go see this movie for.
0: Yeah, especially his final speech to the court at the end as well. I mean, yeah, no, totally. Absolutely.
2: And he's like charming in this movie too. Like it's as much as it is a very dramatic performance, there are moments of levity too that you were reminded how much Mm. like raw charisma he has as well. He's just a fantastic actor. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Can't tell you any more than that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: dead bear
3: um i think i've pretty much said everything i just the thing that kept going through my mind while watching this movie is like i don't think america as a nation has ever really moved beyond 9 11 no i don't
0: think we ever will either
3: i don't think yeah like the more pieces of art that come out about that era and the time sort of immediately following um, basically between 9/11 and the Great Recession in 08, it <laughs> with everything that with every new piece of art that comes out about that time period I just feel more and more like this is, is sort of like the Rosetta stone for what America is now and this the direction and of this movie did a lot of work towards making that point in mostly subtle ways that I really liked, like that shot that Josh was talking about before with the Obama and Biden pictures. And like, it's it's not inconspicuous, but it doesn't at the same time, it also doesn't hit you over the head with it. And I really liked that aspect of it. I mean, this is one of those movies where the character just comes out and bald-facedly states the theme of the movie outright in dialogue. <laughs> so it's also have a lot of those really subtle moments that force you to grapple with that point in history and connect it to where we are now without actually doing so in strong ways. It was in very subtle ways instead. I, I really appreciated that.
0: All right de Cumberbatch was a producer on this movie. He's probably uh, the reason that this movie got made, if you ask me. So I'm not surprised that he took a role in this, but, you know, fine. <laughs> uh, Tahar Rahim, as Danilo mentioned, is definitely the reason to watch the movie. The movie is the movie's watchable. Like, it's not a great movie, in my opinion. It's also not a bad movie. It is a pretty solid all-around movie that is perfectly fine. I don't think it's going to necessarily light the world on fire although as i mentioned before as more and more stories around this uh, era like you mentioned dan continue to come out hopefully uh, that will continue to light the world on fire just a little bit more because this is a very very important part of our history that we should not forget by any stretch of the imagination so you know with all that said i think my grade out of 10 for this one is going to be a very very solid six in the end daniela what about you
4: I'm gonna echo you. Actually, I'm gonna give it a six as well. All right, Dan Bear.
3: I am at a seven. Really good, not great. Okay,
2: all right, Josh Parham? I I'm gonna be an, uh, at an eight for this one. Honestly, like I really enjoyed this movie, and I get all of the issues you guys brought up. But at the end of the day, I just found myself pretty riveted by most of the stories. So yeah,
0: I give it an eight. All right, alrighty done. So the Mauritanian, as I mentioned at the top, nominated for two Golden Globe Awards. It is currently long listed at BAFTA in those same categories and in a few others as well. So in terms of its Oscar prospects, what are we talking here?
2: I mean, I think the Golden Globe nominations it got are probably the best
3: bet at Oscar. Yeah, I really think it's going to be Tahar Ahim or Bust, and he's only in if he gets a BAFTA nomination. And by in, I mean in the running. So
0: I'm going to disagree just ever so slightly because I actually think that Jodie Foster is more likely than he is. Hmm. Like, really? Like, I have like I have both of them in my 10 right now in their respective categories, but I have her higher
3: than him. But I'm sorry. Wait, do you have her getting a BAFTA nomination? I do. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
2: I would not. Well, I think something that's working in favor for Jodie Foster is that it has been a while since yeah. she's had a role like this kind of Beatty, and that allows her to be you know, we can all agree that maybe the character itself sort of has some issues in terms of the writing, but I think she, we all said that she brings a lot in terms of her performance and we haven't really seen her in such a central role, you know, in quite a long time. So, I think that narrative kind of helps her in that race where there still is a little bit of wiggle room. Like, I'm not predicting her to get the Oscar nomination, but I would argue that she's
3: more in the running than he is. I I think that currently, yes, but that's mostly because she has name recognition that, she, that he doesn't. Correct. But again, I'll say it. If he gets a BAFTA nomination, which is highly possible i don't think it's likely but i think it's very possible um then i think he would be in a better position than like he i don't know that he would be in my top five then for oscar but he'd certainly be in like six seven territory
0: i mean it all depends on who else gets those bafta nominations yeah 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 fair that's really what i'm waiting for because You know there are a couple people that we all expect to show up there and then there are some people who are fighting hard for that recognition and coupled along at other mentions you know at cca golden globe sag we're gonna have to just do our best to try and put all of the pieces together and figure it out from there and you know i think this movie is hitting it exactly the right time and he does have the golden globe nomination he could very easily get on the uh, in the BAFTA 6. and he makes you cry. Yeah, it would not surprise me. Also, too, it's one of those things where, like I said, it's not like he disappeared between a prophet and now. He has been around. He just hasn't had this kind of an op- uh, like opportunity showcase role. So. I don't know, Josh,
2: what what do you think? I, I mean, you're pretty high on the movie overall. Do you think he stands a shot? If he does get it at BAFTA, that will be very compelling. I think I agree with Dan that I wouldn't necessarily throw him into a five at that point, but he would be in a much better position. I think it's just the problem is that we're now getting to a point where best actor is sort of getting firmed up a little bit. And there's really only one or two spots and he's fighting for them, but I don't know if he's going to come out on top. I don't know if the passion is really there to get him nominated, but I wouldn't be shocked if he did get in. And I think it would be very deserving. And quite frankly, it would be about a decade after he should have gotten in for a profit anyway. So it would be a nice recognition for him.
3: Sure. I think that's the thing. Like, I think he would be in a lot better position if more people in Hollywood, not on film Twitter, saw and liked and remembered a profit.
4: Yeah, that's I think that's a big
0: part of it. I agree with that. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't think the movie has any any shot.
3: No,
2: no, I don't think so. I remember looking at the or the crew list because whenever a movie comes out, I always look at the crew list in terms of like, okay, is there anybody here that could maybe just be in the club? And there's not really anybody attached to this movie with that. I think there's some sound people that are kind of big names, but I don't think that this is getting in for sound at all. And that was really the only thing that I thought that it might have another shot at.
0: Mm hmm yeah all right well we'll see what happens there's still a long ways to go obviously and when people go back and they re-listen to this review after the nominations are announced we'll either be right on to something or we'll always be speculative as always
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right everyone so dan bear where can they find you on the internet
3: oh you can find me on twitter at dance and dan on film
0: Danilo castro on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. Josh Parham. I am on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of the Mauritanian here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you want to leave us a review, head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate us five stars. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.